me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the next edition of Two Upfront, presented by Three Lions Pub. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Coming to you from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is a beautiful day to talk about the great, wonderful thing that is soccer. We've got a great show in store for you. A lot of things to get to. We were cut a little bit short on Tuesday because Simon had to run off and be famous for a little while. More famous than he already is, of course. But uh, So we didn't get a chance to talk about the U.S. Men's National Team game, so we're definitely going to jump into that here in a moment. But a uh, good show in store for you. Joining us at 1226 Central Time will be uh, FC Kansas City midfielder Yael Averbush. She'll be joining us. It'll be great to hear from her, hear a little bit about her story and uh, how FCKC did this season as well and uh, in the eyes of one of their players as well, too. So we want to remind all of you to check out the show on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time live on Spreaker.com. And you can get the show on demand by going to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, as well. You can find us on Facebook, 2upfront, and of course on Twitter, at 2upfrontsoccer. Our own Twitter handles, at Simon Provan, at Baxter Colburn. All right, Simon, let's talk about the U.S. men's national team and their their 2-0 victory against Cuba, then their 1-1 draw against New Zealand. So three total goals over two games, only conceding one. On paper, not bad. On paper, not bad. Exactly. But there's other things, though. There's lots of issues behind the scenes. Though. Look, both games were very lackluster for the U.S. national team. I, yeah, I give Klinsman a little credit for doing some experimentation in both these games. This is where you do the experimenting. Yes. The only thing that scares me is he's done this in the past, and he's, scare- and he's carried that experimentation into games that really matter. So it makes me a bit nervous for what we're going to see November 11th, against Mexico. That's what a lot of people are wondering, too. You've already started to see people say, well, now who's actually from all this, all these experiments, who's actually going to be a part of that USA game against Mexico, which is massive. It's the first game in the hex. You don't want to just trot out Terrence Boyd or, you know, Matt Beasler potentially, but you want guys that are actually playing quality minutes around the world and are actually producing at a high level, too, not just being like, oh, you haven't been here in a while. Come on back. Let's see what you can do kind of a thing. Yeah, I will say this. I think Ethan Horvath has definitely clinched that third spot yes. as a goalkeeper. Out of out of the goalkeepers we saw, Horvath, uh, Bingham, and... Yarbrough. Yarbrough, thank you. Yarbrough. William. I hate to say it, a mess. He was just a mess in that goal. I don't know if it was nerves, but he kept bobbling balls. Uh, almost led to a couple of New Zealand goals. 
David Bingham didn't do much better in the second half. In fact, that goal that New Zealand had on their off of their corner kick, messy on defense, but also yeah, a lot of legs that ball had to go through. But I'm telling you, Bingham was out of position almost that entire time on that goal. He didn't look good. He looked shaky. Whereas Horvath, granted, I think New Zealand's probably a little bit better than Cuba. A lot better. I but, think New Zealand's uh, actually been to a World Cup, right? <laughs> but uh, but still, you look at the confidence that Horvath had, the saves, some yeah. of the saves he had against Cuba. He's really the main reason that there was a shutout in that game. You're so Ethan Horvath. Right. I mean, and we he, heard that from Mark Litton last week. That's as right, well, too. He's that's like, right. you got to watch Ethan Horvath. And yeah. as soon as I found out he was starting that first game, I was like, Mark's a genius. You know, it's <laughs> like Mark Litton. You are the the goalkeeper god, as it were. So I think uh, a couple other players that I will highlight. Obviously, Julian Green Two was goals? a revelation again. My goodness. Yep. And and Sasha Kleschen continues to take advantage of his, as he calls it, his second life with the U.S. national team. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I guess now the biggest thing that I'm wondering about is, what, is Julian Green actually better now? He's had a lot of time to go with Bayern Munich. He's done fairly well in their second division and gotten some first-team minutes. We've heard Bayern Munich's manager saying, look, he's going to be a part of our plans this season as well with the first team. I think he might be starting to grow a little bit. Yeah, the only thing I... You, you do hear their manager say that, but at the same time, we haven't seen Julian Green get regular season Bundesliga minutes. Exactly. And, Not like uh, Christian Pulisic. At, right. Uh, at the same time, hey, when he steps up and he puts on that U.S. jersey, if he continues to play this way, I'm telling you, I I have no problem, Baxter, if, if he gets called up for this Mexico game. Interesting. Well, I mean, he scored two goals. I mean, and that, that alone. Well, not only that, but he... He was the only person on the field willing to take guys on one on one, and he did well with that. And that was one of the things Jurgen Klinsmann actually challenged him with. He said, "I want to see Julian Green go out there and take these guys on and not be afraid of them." And there was no fear in Julian Green. I will agree with you. I will say the one thing I'm disappointed about, or two things I should say I'm disappointed about, is the lack of minutes for Juan Agudelo and Terence Boyd. Why did we call them up to give them 14 total minutes between the two of them? You don't need to see. Josie Altidore again against the New Zealand. You don't need to see Chris Wondolowski again against Cuba. If you're going to call in Agudelo, you're going to call in Terrence Boyd, play them at least for a half. 14 total minutes between the two of them? That's not enough. Neither of them. Terrence Boyd got off one shot. Juan Agudelo did nothing in the 12 minutes he was the, on. The Terrence Boyd one, I, I actually understand. He's been injured. Yes. He's coming back from injury. I don't but think... Two minutes? You, how much time did he waste away from his team to well, go and play true. two minutes? That's true. No, I, I, I agree with that, but perhaps this was more about Terrence Boyd being in camp than it was about actually yes. getting on that field. Yeah, no, I would agree with you on that one too. But I was I was bothered by the Agadella thing. I was like, don't call up a guy that's actually been doing fairly well in general to only play him for 12 minutes or not even give him a chance to really partner with Josie Altidore at all Well, either. look, he, he did the same thing with Tim Ream years ago. Yep. And uh, his club was not happy at all about that. In fact, even calling out Klinsmans for saying, you know, quit making our players travel this mm -hmm. far if you're not going to use them. Exactly. I completely agree with you on that one. We saw Jordan Morris against Cuba for 30 minutes, but obviously he had to get shipped back for a big thing for the Sounders, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. But uh, bum, 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 ah, Exactly, yeah. How do you draw against Houston? Either way, though, Michael Bradley, he, he plays the full 120 minutes, base, or, yeah, well, no, 180? That's what it is, 90 plus 90. There we go. <laughs> he played everything that you could play. I mean... Still nothing too fantastic from him. I guess, is it a consistency thing? Is it the old boys club? Like, what, what does Michael Bradley have to do to not get a call-up? Well, I think part of this is just timing, Baxter, and that's why we saw a lot of Josie as well, is Toronto hasn't had games uh, that would have interfered with either of these right. friendlies. So he kept them there as... One of the things you do have to do when you have younger players in there is have some of those veterans 
around to help guide them, to help direct them on the field. So I don't have much of a problem with with uh, with Josie or especially with with Bradley being in there. Now at the same time, I I'm I'm not too pleased with Bradley overall in his play as of late. And I think he would say the same thing. He's pretty honest with himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice to see Klinsman try out that 4-3-3, which actually allowed Bradley to get forward a little bit and have some more creativity in there. But this U.S. team still is not built for a 4-3-3. And I, I think the main reason Klinsman went that way in that New Zealand game is because he had a lot of younger players. And perhaps he thought off the wing play he'd have some more speediness. But as we saw, it didn't really lead up to much of anything. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, I was I was really curious to see what was going to kind of transpire from this, but I, I just I was very underwhelmed by the amount of time by the by by anybody. When you see these new guys get called in against two opponents, like let's be honest, are not good. They're just not good teams overall. You expect the younger guys to step and be like, "Look, I'm going to shine," and I didn't really see that. It's like we it was obviously it's great that you know Christian Pulisic did a good job when he was on the field, Julian Green as well. But we already kind of know their stories. We didn't really. I was waiting to see some of these other guys come in. We saw Paul Ariola score a goal, you know, a couple of a couple of months ago. We haven't really seen much from Lyndon Gooch. Tim Parker didn't see the field at all. Danny Williams, like, if you're going to call on these guys, I'm a firm believer in at least playing them for a little bit. I get the whole being around camp, being with mm-hmm. the boys, mm-hmm. but at least give them a couple. Minutes. Well, and these against these these are the teams that you do want to play them against. Exactly. That way, you to don't, bleed them a little bit. You don't need DeAndre Yedlin going ninety minutes. You don't need Omar Gonzalez. You know Michael Orozco, Matt Beasler. You don't need them going ninety minutes. No, the one thing I will say is keep in mind they do have their next game is against Mexico and Columbus for World Cup qualifier. True. So you do. That's the one thing I'll disagree with Baxter is you you do. I feel that you need to have some of those veterans still playing just to make sure that sure. you have parts of the team still gelling. So come mm-hmm. November eleventh they're well prepared with each other yeah well, but overall i, I, I get agree. your point yeah. i yeah. get your point that bad you know these are bad teams so this is the perfect time to give more younger players the opportunity to get on that pitch especially let's let's face it you're playing in cuba a place that's foreign really for just about every single player out there yeah. so let the young ones step in there and feel what it's like mm-hmm. to play in a completely new environment exactly because how many times do we say that well the young players can't really survive in those crucial concacaf games you know you've, we've seen how many players go down to honduras or go down to costa rica for big hex games and fall flat on their face because they're not used to the environment i know cuba is not that but Give them a chance. No, but but Cuba did have one of those terrible fields that exactly. I, I don't know if we said it off air, if we talked about it a little bit last show that you know Eric Winolda is talking about how that's what it was. That's how every field in Concacaf, yeah. except for Canada, Mexico, and U.S. was for them. So mm-hmm. so for uh, other countries to say you know Concacaf, it's so easy to qualify out of. On the field or on paper, yes, mm-hmm. but on the actual field and the terrible surfaces the U.S. was playing on in all those games, that made it very difficult. So some of these young guys got to experience that by playing in that Cuba game and, and the conditions of that field. Exactly. I will agree with you on that one. Speaking of young players, a coach that's now going to have the opportunity to help maybe shape the next generation of players is Preki. He's coaching now again for St. Louis FC, a team that we already know is trying to push for an MLS bid, but that's that's down the road potentially. But... He's, he's got this opportunity now to coach in the USL. Uh, he helped lead uh, Sacramento FC to a USL title. And now, of course, everybody knows a lot about his resume. Now he's back coaching. What do you, what do you feel well, about this? Well, I, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have him back on these shores. He thought he was going to go to England and actually mm-hmm. land a job. Uh, you know, supposedly he left Sacramento, who were playing so well under him, yeah. to go uh, coach a Premier League club. But... That was basically a deal that he had with Milan Mandarich, who was an entrepreneur who had owned Portsmouth, Leicester, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, also a couple of teams over here. 
But what happened is it looked like that Precky was going to go coach yeah. either Sheffield Wednesday, obviously at, at that point not a Premier League club, and, uh, but nevertheless... Still a club in England? Right. Uh, the, people actually yeah, know Sheffield right. Wednesday. And, and the owner ended up selling Sheffield Wednesday, so there went Precky's chances of coaching over in England. So yeah. he's actually, he's just been traveling the world basically learning how to be a better coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was great when he was here. I shouldn't say great, but he was, was decent. <laughs> he did a decent, decent job. But again, with Sacramento, it was wonderful. Uh, some people forget he was with Chivas USA first yeah. as an assistant under Bob Bradley, and then ended up taking Chivas USA over. And for for that type of club, he led them to the playoffs, never made it to the championship. I yep. don't think they ever got out of the first round. I don't think so, no. But he knows what he's doing. He knows American soccer. And with St. Louis having aspirations to get to MLS, They've got a guy in there who knows MLS. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, St. Louis has actually restructured their uh, club to be more like an MLS club. So I think St. Louis is looking at this as a bigger picture. Hmm. Well, I I think St. Louis, yeah. I mean, what's the biggest thing you always hear when teams try to bump up? Who's going to be your big-time manager? That's right. Preki seems to fit that. I'd, I'd be fine with that if they jumped to MLS. Be like, well, look, we've already got Precky. Let's let's go up from here, kind of a thing. So, well, and you look not only what he did with Sacramento on the field, but he played a big part in the success of that club, and therefore the number of tickets they mm-hmm. would sell, sellout after sellout after sellout. I still gonna say it. Don't get why Sacramento is not already in MLS because they lost the first round of the USL playoffs. That's why. That's besides the point. Now, I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. They lost in penalty kicks. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to look. We're going to finally try to take a chance to digest what the heck happened in the NWSL season and try to just maybe look briefly ahead. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but uh, we'll talk about that more. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back after this. It's two up front presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Rolling right along with the program, with the Provan, as it were. <laughs> Quick reminder for you, check out our website, twoupfrontsoccer.com. Catch old episodes, find a, a beautiful selection of t-shirts you can buy, and so many other things about the show as well, too. Hats now, too. We have hats, yes. We have lovely hats. I'm so, wearing one, as you can all see. It's always weird to say it, you know, calling them baseball caps, but that's what they are. Yes. With a, with a cool uh, Two Up Front logo on the front, and on the back it says Two Up Front Soccer Show. So another great way to support the show, and, uh, you know, they're nice-looking hats. So. Yeah, oh, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm I, thrilled I usually, to have one, finally. I usually have a cap on my head as I walk uh, my daughters down to the bus stop because, oh. you know, it's early in the morning and my yep. hair is crazy. So, so I got 
I, I got something new to cover my head. Maybe I can sell some of these hats to uh, the other go. dads like, on yeah, the corner. Yeah, like, hey, you want a hat? Two up front hat? Two up front hat? Uh, exactly. I like that. All right, Simon, a couple of different things we want to talk about uh, and pertains to the women's game, the beautiful game that is the women's game. Uh, the U-17s, the U.S. women's national team under 17 has officially crashed and burned, and they are out of the women's U-17 World Cup. Yeah, total disappointment. Uh, Jill Ellis actually wouldn't comment on it at the uh, really? NWSL Championship game. She was, you know, she had said, "Here, I'm here to talk about this game, and I'm here to talk about, uh, you know, mm. the future of the women's team." But I think the U17 women's national That's team would fall into that pretty category. Pretty futuristic there in terms of players that you're, you're going to be probably coaching, especially with someone that was just like, "We need more youth." Like, well, here's your youth, Jill. Like, yeah, I mean, so it, it's hard because. You'd like to think the U.S. women's national team is going to be dominant at every level because there's no chance that almost any other country, aside from maybe a handful, are going to have the same women's boom in soccer that the U.S. has. Well, listen, and, and here's, the, here's the biggest rub is that uh, they end up falling to Ghana 2-1. to one. We don't need to talk about Ghana. Anyway, it's 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 hard though. It, it's hard to to realize because at what level, at what age, do you start really judging these teams? Do, is this a massive well, that's, disappointment? No, that's that's a that's a great point, Baxter. Because I think a lot of people see the U seventeen age group, and and I can't argue much with this. Still, as a developmental group. Yeah. You know, These girls are in high school. Right. You know, right. Like some are maybe freshmen or sophomore in high school. They don't know hardly anything about real life yet at this point. I mean, if the national media just came down hard on them, says, you're a disappointment to U.S. soccer, like, that would maybe ruin some of these girls. I think actually the the biggest concern is the way they played in that game against Ghana Baxter. Mm. Lots and lots of long balls. It wasn't the way they were playing uh, in their previous games. But to see this this team again go to that place of not working it out of the back, mm-hmm. you know, not trying to get forward in a creative way, but just sending it over, that's the biggest concern to me, actually, is, is if we're talking about development. But uh, I, I don't have stats on the last time a, a youth team for the U.S. didn't make it out of the group stage. Yeah. I, I got to imagine it's, it's a rare it's happening. It's got to be a long time. But, uh, but uh, along with that, Baxter, the... FIFA U20 Women's World Cup is coming up, and of course we do have the U.S. Women's team for that playing, and the biggest name to pop up on that roster, which was just recently named, is Mallory Pugh. So you got to have some hopes. Uh, at least you look at the U17s and go, ah, disappointment, but Monday, November 14th, the U.S. Women's U20 team opens up play against France, then takes on New Zealand, and then will finish their group play also Against Ghana, and see now the exact. Don't you love how that always <laughs> just works? That's something about the U.S. and, the, and Ghana. They just, I think they have a they have a, a bad partnership between each other. It's like, let's just play each other. Like, what's the worst that could happen? But you look at this team. Um, you look at the the U twenties as a whole. These are gals that obviously know the game very well. And at this point, at U twenties, I'm okay with being critical. If this team doesn't get out of the group stages. Have Adam U.S. media absolutely like this. They are old enough now. Some of these gals are in college or darn near. Most close of to them it. are actually. So it is. This is. If you want to look at what the U.S. national team could be, this is it right here. That's right. Potentially. That's right. So it, it, you have every right to be critical of this. Well, team. especially when you have a player like Mallory Pugh, who yes. is now. Uh, Does that well, add another level though? Now that if now that you know that Mal Pugh is on the team, if they don't do well, is it going to fall more on her? I wouldn't say it's going to fall on her. I mean, of course, it'll it'll help to depend on her performance. Sure, but, yeah. Um, well, she's a fantastic player. Yeah. She is. She is. But you know, there's there's eleven players on the field. Um, 
they've got to be managed well. Michelle French is the head coach of the team, so I think most of it would fall on her if they don't do well. Uh, But if they don't do well, the bigger question is, what's going on with the youth mm-hmm. in our women's soccer program. And I've, I've seen already on, on Twitter, Twitter's a, a fun but dangerous place to venture into. A lot of people have been saying, you know, if this team doesn't do good, Jill Ellis should step down. I'm like, what does Jill Ellis have to do with it? But when you when she she's been around though, she's been around a long time. She well, helped part, get a lot of these gals into the program. Well, part of it is she's also the technical director, like exactly. Klinsman is as well. Yep. and that's you know that's where that's where Klinsman, I think, rightfully so, gets a lot of slack because the youth program for the men's side is not doing well at all. I agree. No, and that's that's the big thing. So you can't continue to just run with the U.S. Women's National Team senior team. Because even them, obviously, everybody put their hopes and dreams on them with the Olympics, and then they crashed out, and then everyone's like, well, who do we we cheer for now at the national team level, you know? Right, yeah. For for so long, you could bet on the women's national team to be like, oh, regardless of what happens, you guys got us. You know, we'll be fine. We'll win a championship. And then they failed drastically, I think a lot of people would say. Absolutely. And and now it's like, well, where do we go from here? Which is which is not a bad thing to have happen. It's though. not, and and for them to lose at the Olympics like they did was part of Jill Alice to come out and say, "Okay, something's not working here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try something new." Yes, and that's okay. And some people do blame Jill Alice though because they're like, "Well, why was X Y Z playing this position? Sure. Why was this playing? You know, things like that." And I get that tactics, but at the same time, though, you put arguably the eleven best players probably in the world or darn near close to it. You kind of expect them to do well. well. And I'm not making excuses for the U.S. Women's National Team because you know I don't do that. Nor am but, I. No. But, but let's you know let's face it. They're also playing against a Sweden team coached by Pia, who knew exactly. most of those U.S. players and knew exactly how they play, what they were going to do, and she had a great game plan. Many if you wanted a youth movement, that would have been the game. There you <laughs> like, go. Everybody right. Pia doesn't know. <laughs> right. Go play. Go play. <laughs> that would have been funny to heck to see. Oh my gosh. Okay, flipping away from that for just a quick moment, Simon. I think the dust is pretty much settled now in the NWSL, right? Can we kind of just say the whole 2016 season is done? We can put a nice little bow on it be like, all right, we can all breathe. Yes, yeah. Western New York Flash did win. Yeah. It wasn't a dream. Right. Uh, right. So... So what do you make of it? Like it's it's all said and done. Like I think this was this was by far the best season, in, mm. the most exciting season of NWSL. Coming down to the last day to determine that last playoff spot, yeah. uh, Western New York Flash proving all the doubters wrong, Baxter, mm-hmm. from game one, and even up until the playoffs, people were saying, "Nah, you're not you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it." Hey, I I had picked the Thorns, still rightfully so, over oh, yeah. Western New York Flash in that semifinal game. They proved me wrong there. Then. It was at that point, Baxter, both of us said, <laughs> I mean, think about this, Baxter. I know you had picked Western New York Flash through the playoffs, but it really... Kind of as a as, joke, I'll at, be honest. Right. <laughs> and, and as a show, it really wasn't until they beat the Thorns that we went... I mean, it huh. took us that long for us to go, mm-hmm. okay, this is a really good team. Yeah. Well, because we'd had, we'd had players on the team, uh, on, uh, on the show. We've talked to Coach Riley twice, and I'll be honest, I was still very skeptical all the way up until the final kicked off. And even at that point, I'm like, Spirit are going to run through them. Like, I, I picked the Flash because I'm like, I love the story. I wanted the story of the Flash winning. I'm like, they deserved it, but it's like, there's no chance. Well, and, and with that championship game, and again, Paul Riley would agree with us, it certainly started out, and for most of the game, the Spirit did have them. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know? they scored first. Right. Scored I mean, first. They, they, I'm not going to say they dominated for most of the game, but no. they had control for most of the game, the Spirit, that is. And, uh, you know, Lynn Williams... All credit to her with mm-hmm. with with that fantastic jump over their goalkeeper, uh, so the spirit Weiss, the spirit goalkeeper, to head that ball in and send yep. it into extra time, um, or actually, I'm sorry, to uh, to send it into a shootout. But nevertheless, 
this is why I'm saying this was the most exciting season NWSL has ever saw. And I, I really think next year is going only to be better, especially when Kansas City gets all their star players back. Oh, my back. gosh, yeah. Uh, Seattle, they've got things figured out, it looks like. Looks like it. Uh, Western New York Flash is going to have most, if mm-hmm. not all, of those players back. I know Coach Riley wants them yeah. all back. Houston's going to probably be at full strength, too, uh, among others. The Thorns. Washington Spirit. Sky Blue, potentially. You know, that's I the mean, great thing about this young league is you don't see a lot of movement with the players. Because let's mm-hmm. face it, these ladies still aren't making a ton of money. Yeah. So so for them to just be traded and traded and traded, uh, not they really, really doing can't afford that. Any good. Yeah. yeah, and the players can't afford that. It's a, it's a, to me, it's almost a miracle that Jess McDonald is still as good as she is mm-hmm. considering how many times she's been traded from one team to the other. But she, you know, strong faith system that gets her through it all. And, uh, Love it. Yeah, absolutely. So so she's one of these, those unique individuals that just keeps playing. And then you have uh, a lot of players going over to Australia during the yeah. offseason. People love that playing way. in the W League. They yeah. sure do. Why not? It's decent soccer. I mean, if you want to look and at like a beautiful mini- place to play in. <laughs> exactly. If you want to look at a mini NWSL, that's basically what the what Australia is. Not many people can go to the to the women's FA in England and play. I mean, there's that's where obviously most of England's national team plays. But fact that you know there's gals over there playing Champions League soccer. Champions League. I mean, they call it the Women's Champions League. But you know, Manchester City's got an incredible program. Arsenal, Liverpool. Like those ladies are. Some of the best in the world as well, too. Right, right. I've, well, I've always been curious to see what that would look like if end up, like the best NWSL played uh, in a team from England. You know, it would be kind of cool to actually, uh, I know many people are going to go, no, Simon, but to have an NWSL All-Star game playing against the yes! uh, English All-Star players. I agree. Somebody asked, the, or somebody wrote on Twitter the other day, they're like, we should have an NWSL All-Star game. Like, you, they could play, like, you know, the best 11, kind of like what MLS used to do, East-West, like, do kind of that, but... I'd be all for that. Like the best NWSL 11 versus the best, whatever, FA women's 11. Sure, sure. I'm all for that. Well, speaking of England, you had some interesting news about Rachel Daly. Yes, she got called up to the English women's national team. Uh, She's going to be playing against France and Germany. I don't know if that's... That second one is not official. I don't remember who they're playing. Um, I'd have to find the official tweet that I that I retweeted somewhere. But either way, yes, Rachel Daly, she was on the program, played for the Houston Dash as well, and uh, a good rookie campaign from her, so very excited for her. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, Yale Averbush will be here with us from FC Kansas City. Stay tuned. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proven. All right, Simon Proven. We move along with the program. We were just talking about the NWSL. Now we get to finally complete our NWSL bingo card for the season. And we finally get to scratch off having an FC Kansas City player. On That's the a valid bingo, That's as they huge, would say a at Potawatomi. That's a blackout, isn't that? We finally, uh, we've, we've been trying to get every single team slash representative, somebody, on to up front this season, and I know the NWSL season, some will say, oh, it's officially over. Well, it's still 2016, okay? So everybody, everybody, <laughs> everybody Wait, calm down. didn't you just say in the last segment that it was officially over? It is, but for this, I've, I've taken the bow off just slightly of the package okay, that okay. is the season. All right. Either way, we get to head down to Kansas City and chat with someone that has definitely been around the game for a long time, that is 
probably much, pretty much loved by anybody that's ever met her. And now she gets to join us on the program. It is Yell Averbush of FC Kansas City. Welcome to Two Up Front. Thank you. And that, that was a very nice comment about me. I don't know. If, I don't know if everybody. Most everybody. Sure I haven't really have, heard a bad have. review about you, though. So, I mean, do people have a reason to not like you, Yell? Oh, no, I don't think so. I was just kidding, but, uh, <laughs> so that's a very, a very strong statement, so I appreciated it. Well, yeah. no, absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the, this season for FC Kansas City a little bit, Yal. You guys did not make the playoffs after you basically rewrote history in the NWSL for a couple of seasons, winning championships. I know you weren't a part of all of those teams, but you, you come into this season, you already know you're going to be down two elite players in Amy Rodriguez and Sydney LaRue, and then, of course, Lauren Holiday you know, retired as well, but... From your perspective, you're only just a couple of points away from making the playoffs. What were your initial thoughts once the season was was finally done? The final whistle kind of blew, and you're like, all right, 2016 was what? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we were all um, disappointed in our season um, because our goal is to make the playoffs, and we we knew as a group and as a team um, what it took to not only get to the playoffs but win the whole thing. So I think that was always our goal, but realistically, I think, um, you know, as the season ended, we were not surprised clearly by the fact that we didn't make the playoffs. We had a really up and down season where um, along the way there were a lot of results and points we needed to get and we didn't do the job when it mattered. Um, but I think, you know, I think we all felt very proud of our team for a couple reasons. One was that, you know, we never gave up that hope and we continue to take pride in what we do and playing our style and we kept chipping away right until the end. And I think that showed in our last few games where we really, you know, closed the gap and picked up a lot of points. Um, and also, I think the team environment that um, Coach Flacco and Anosky creates, um, it was it was an absolute joy and pleasure to be part of the team. And I have to say, I've been part of a lot of teams that haven't had good results where I would not have said the same thing. <laughs> so the fact that um, the fact that we had such an up and down season and we continued to get better and took a lot of pride in our performance still still at the end, and also that it was a it was a joy to show up at practice every day and our team chemistry and all that was absolutely wonderful. I think that says a lot about our organization and the program. And obviously. Um, you know, we're not okay with where we ended up, and our plan is not to be there again next year. We, we don't want to be watching the playoffs on television ever again. Absolutely. But yeah. um, that, that being said, though, I think we all felt proud of ourselves um, at the same time as being disappointed. Well, you you still had a good core group of players, of course, uh, Shea Groom with eight goals on the season, yourself with three, uh, Tiffany McCarty getting a couple there, but you have a lot of players that played around that 15, 16, 17 games in the season, but of course, obviously you're out without Amy Rodriguez, you're without Sidney LaRue, and then for a period there, of course, you don't have Heather O'Reilly, Becky Sauerbrunn. How difficult does it make it going into the season knowing that you're down uh, two of your better players, and then in the middle of it, you got to lose two more? Yeah, I think, you know, we knew from the beginning that we were going to have a young and newish group. And I think even even um, besides the players you mentioned, you know, Leanne Robinson retired, Amy mm-hmm. LaPelbit retired. Um, and those are just two in addition to, like you said, Lauren Holiday. We were missing Amy Rodriguez, um, Sydney LaRue. So those are all, I mean, that's a huge chunk of our team from the previous year that was no longer with us this year. So we knew right from the beginning um, we were going to be a different team. We had gaps we needed to fill in. And I think... Um, our younger and new players definitely stepped up and um, did everything we could have asked of them. I think it's just, I mean, I hate to use the term rebuilding year, but really we had 
you know, we had our work set out for us to be the same team as the year before. And to be honest, we weren't, we weren't so far off, but, you know, like Vladko always tells us the, this league is so competitive that it comes down to the smallest moments in games. And literally, I think he had calculated the fact of like, if six plays, either offensively, defensively, referee decision, whatever it was, if six plays throughout the whole season had 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 a different result or gone slightly differently, I think we would have been in the playoffs. Really? So it came wow. down to like six moments, which we knew going into it that those Jeez. moments are so important, but that just really highlights like how close it is one way or another. So oh, I absolutely. If you look at... Yeah, if you look at who we're missing and the fact that it only came down to those six plays, if we had just executed slightly differently, which is on yeah. us, but... Yeah, it's really, really interesting stat. You, I was going to say, you can even see it just from your goals for and goals against, 18-4, 20 against. So obviously very strong defensively, maybe uh, struggled a bit offensively. But you think about just two or three more goals, and you're very well, could be at least fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, no, and that's, that's the irony of it all. And then, you know, once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. And I think that um, our team has been there and, and done it and succeeded in the playoffs. So really... You know, a couple goals, a couple goals going our way, and in the playoffs, and then you never know. We could have won the whole thing. So exactly. I think um, it's it's always down to the smallest things at the professional level, which we really we really saw this season. And unfortunately, a lot of the small things did not seem to go our way. <laughs> Well, looking at even a, a bigger picture, Yale, looking at your career, you did start, uh, well, you started in the W League back when you were 14 years old, but you were also part of the WPS, and now you're with the NWSL. What has this league meant to this country and, and to women's professional soccer compared to those other leagues? Yeah, I think I think we don't talk about it enough. Um, the fact that this league has just made it through the fourth year, which is already a record in women's professional soccer, both the uh, WUSA and WPS folded after three years. So the fact that we not only got into that fourth year, which um, I was really proud of, and I think all the players who have been around realized how special that was, mm. but made it through that year um, successfully, looking to the future, um, very strong, stable league looking to add teams as the years go on. Um, I think that says a lot for women's soccer in our country and the NWSL. I think the fact that there are players being identified and brought up to the U.S. women's national team from their performance in the league, um, that's another huge positive. So I think there's so many positive things we can look at. And, you know, it's unfortunate in our league because sometimes the little mishaps, you know, catch the media's attention and but I think there's so many good things we could say about the state of the league. And even just, um, you know, I was thinking about in particular, there was one game that, that really stood out to me. It was when the national team players were gone and FC Kansas City, we were away playing in Portland. And it was a rainy night. Like the weather was just bad. And I think we had over 19,000 fans watching our game in Portland that night Jeez. with no national team players, rainy night. And for me, you know, as a player, like you said, who's been part of um, – part of WPS and kind of been very aware of the women's soccer world throughout the years at the professional level. Um, I was emotional during the national anthem. Mm. I mean, that to me was, was such a wonderful statement for where our league stands and where women's soccer is in our country right now. I think um, we have so much to be proud of. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, as you're saying, you know, being a fan and just even watching those leagues die was mm -hmm. was hard to see. Yeah. And to see the success of the NWSL is is pretty awesome. I, I can't imagine actually being able to, to live through that. And one other, one other comment on that is I had the opportunity to talk with uh, the commissioner, Jeff Plush, 
at the NWSL championship game. And I had asked him, you know, you've got some markets in this league that are drawing very well. You had mentioned Portland. And then you've got some markets in this league that, that don't draw as well. You know, Sky Blue FC, I, you know, let's be honest, sometimes Boston doesn't have that many people there. I think you're, you averaged around 3,400, which, hey, it's still, still better than, than zero. Um, but the very positive thing that he had to say was, Simon, no, no matter what market we're talking about, every team increased their revenue this year. Mm. And that's a huge thing. You wouldn't have heard that six years ago. So to hear how well the league is growing, even if we don't understand all of it from being on the outside, it's exciting for women's soccer. And again, for you to be able to live through that, I'd love for you to comment on that. Yeah, and I think that's such an important statement. I actually didn't know that, but I think that's what we have to look at. We have to look at the fact that it's here, number one, which is very important because it can't get better if it's not here. Um, And it is getting better. And I think, you know, as players, we're not under any illusions. Like, the the league needs to improve in a lot of ways, and we're – we don't just, you know, blindly celebrate the fact that it's here. We're working as players with um, the staff, the owners. Everyone's working very hard to make it better. Um, but the fact that it's getting better, and it, we, we're all aware it's going to be a slow process. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. The MLS took years and years to get to the point where it is today. So I think the fact that things are improving, I think if you look at the numbers of um, the YouTube views and yeah. playbacks, the, um, the, like you said, the revenue, um, ticket sales, I think like the engagement on social media, the numbers are all up, which is very, very positive. And that's what we need to continue to do. So it's not going to be, it's not going to happen all in one year, but the fact that we can chip away slowly year after year and make those small improvements is everything. Oh, I completely agree with you. Well, yeah, before we let you go, I, I'm just really curious for someone that's been around the, the national team. When you, when you heard everything that Jill Ellis was saying recently about revitalizing the team and kind of going with more of a youth movement, you, you spent some time with the team. You came to the youth ranks as well, too. What was your thought about that, just to kind of hear you know, from an outsider who hasn't really been with the national team a lot recently? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's an important viewpoint. I think for a while, um, you know, it, it, was, it was a lot of the same crew involved, game after game, which, you know, a very successful group of players. But I think it's time that we evaluate um, our youth system, evaluate our league, and see are they preparing players to step up and compete at the highest level. And it's a hard thing to do because our U.S. Women's National Team has had such wonderful success. Mm. Is that, you know, maybe maybe you need to take a little step back from that and not worry so much about the immediate results, but look at developing the youth players. And, you know, as as an older player, that's hard for me to say because obviously <laughs> uh, my aim is always to, you know, have an opportunity to get back in there. And that's, you know, it's impossible having been there to not train and play every day with that in your head. Yeah. But I think that as a as a system in general and as a federation, we need to make sure that we have young players um, ready to step in at any moment. And I think um, I think there's always a balance. There's a balance between keeping the core of what makes our team phenomenal and the players who are the best at what they do in the world, you have to have them on your team, whether they're 45 or 25, it doesn't matter. Like if they're the best in the world, they have to be on the team. And then also um, bringing in those young players, giving them a taste of what it's like so that they can go back to their club, college, whatever environment they play in day in and day out and develop um, and continue to have that in mind as, as where they're going. So Definitely a balance that needs to happen, but I think it's it's promising and it's it will it will say a lot if the players from our league 
the NWSL are able to step in and immediately impact at the international level. That's where our league needs to be. And if that's not, if that doesn't happen yet, and we'll soon see, you know, there are a lot of players are brought in. If we're not ready for that yet, then we need to be ready for it next season. And if we're not ready for it next season, it needs to be the season after, because that's when, you know, when I think our country will have gotten to the next level, when our league successfully prepares players to step right into the international level. I love it. I feel like I hear the new head of U.S. soccer talking in a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> right. I love it. My goodness. Well, we appreciate I'll, I'll you being my, on the show. Uh, my reference on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Be like, hey, we, you heard it here first, you know, Yaliver Bush, head of U.S. soccer. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Yal. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yal, thank you for yeah, your thank you. yeah, thank you for your honesty and your insight. It was just a, such a great interview. Thank you. Oh yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys. You're very welcome. We'll talk to you again soon, Yal. All right, thank you. Okay, bye. All right, we are headed to our break. When we come back, we'll dive into MLS and take a look at some of the news and figure out what the heck is going on with the playoffs. They're very close. Say it, Simon. I know you want to say it. Playoffs. There you go. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back inside the Attention Era Media Studios. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Proven. Playoffs! Woo! Playoffs! MLS playoffs right around the corner. We are stoked! I will. I need to admit something, Simon. I, uh, I made the mistake this morning of uh, having a full cup of coffee, then drinking a full bottle of Energize, which is basically like a supplement to you know, give you energy, because I just recently got it in the mail. I'm like, oh, this will be exciting. My te- my teeth were literally chattering as I was driving here because I was like <laughs> I was like this is awesome but I'm like shouldn't have done this like it was does it also have caffeine in it or is it I think all natural so. it's, it's 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 all natural yeah but it was it helps supplement I think I that, guess that caffeine is also natural so, yeah, yeah but it was yeah I, I'm slowly coming off of my high but I was like Whoo! so I, I may have to carry the show the last fifteen I, minutes I'm gonna probably just go on the desk <laughs> at some point here be like done don't be alarmed folks if you hear that thump sound it's just Baxter falling asleep. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. All right. We're not falling asleep, though, in the playoffs because the Seattle Sounders drew 0-0 to the Houston Dynamo. What the heck? How do you draw the Dynamo? They're horrible. Dynamo lost to Colorado at home. They needed to make a statement that they don't think they're as bad as they are. They are. 
They're still a bad team. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Well, part of it is Alonzo gets a red card in the 63rd minute. Stupid, which, stupid which, thing now which for Seattle. hurt my fantasy points, of course. I don't think I had Alonzo. I think you did, actually. Did yeah. I'll have to look. Oh, maybe you're... I think I did. Son of a gun. Oh, but well. Ladera was a surprise that he got sent... Well, he got the yellow card in the uh, mm. in Uruguay's game, so he couldn't play in the next Uruguay game, so he got sent back, and yeah, he had a... He had a decent game. Yeah. Jordan Morris, obviously. I think maybe he was actually a little tired from that Cuba game and didn't uh, didn't do much for Seattle there as well. But, of course, that's the big thing, Baxter, is Houston had 11 against 10 for the last you know third of the game. Couldn't finish it. Couldn't put it away. I mean, yeah, the 64th minute, there's still plenty of time to, to take over a game. And Houston, they finished underwhelming. 11 total shots, 5 on target, 3 block shots, only 5 corner kicks. You know, they committed 16 fouls to Seattle, only causing six. That's crazy. And they still, and they still. I mean, they didn't lose, but they didn't win, which is surprising. Seattle obviously are still in the playoffs, technically. Oh, that's, that, that point for them was still. It's still big. Was still big for them. So they they're officially, if I'm looking at it correctly, they are four points clear of the Portland Timbers. It's basically between Portland and Sporting Kansas City for that final spot. I feel like. Yeah, and even then, with only two games left, being ahead by two points is actually pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think the season will end as it is now. Agreed. I mean, I'd love to see Portland get in, but I'm being realistic that even if they do, it's not going to be like last year where they're going to surprise anybody. They, will, I don't think they'll they'll get past that play-in game. Yeah, I would. I would have. That's the, my f- same thought with the New England Revolution at this point. Even if they go and beat Chicago this Sunday, which I'll be at. Woo! So excited. Uh, I just. I don't. I don't think they're good enough to get by any the knockout round. They would if they're the sixth seed. They're going to probably have to deal with with TFC probably, or or NYCFC. Either one of those teams is going to probably rock New England out of the playoffs with a couple of goals. I agree. You know, yeah. New England just is not a good enough team right now. Defensively, they need to figure things out in the offseason. Offensively, they've got it all together. It, it is a bit odd, isn't it, that. Uh the Eastern Conference is actually becoming a top-heavy conference. Mm-hmm. Both New York teams playing really well, TFC playing well, and then from there, it's... It's a, it's a bit of a toss-up. I mean, how many years, though, did we see MLS be more of a defensive-driven league? I feel like the offense... I think that they've kind of ripped the cap off. Players like David Villa and Giovinco and BWP have kind of been like, all right, enough of all this defense. Yes, yes, Let's yes. start scoring goals. Like, can you really look at a lot of these teams and be like... Fantastic defense. I really can't look at a lot of MLS teams anymore. I don't know if you really can look at one specific team and be like, oh my gosh, probably the best team on defense in MLS. Like, yeah, on paper, sure. Right. If you look I know at what you're certain, saying. but. But you really, no, I no, I I actually like, will say the last there, time there, you defense? no, there, there is one team that you do fear defensively, and that's the Colorado Rapids. I was just going to say, I'm like, it's probably Colorado. It was RSL for so many years. It was SKC for a right. while too. Yeah, yep. you know, just a, even LA. LA had a, a terrific defense for a couple of years, but then Omar Gonzalez leaves. AJ Delagarza is back and forth. You know, this all this turnaround, and you don't ever really know. Well, and it was surprising. We mentioned this on the last show that Colorado hasn't been known for their offense. They've been known for their defense, yet. <laughs> they let in two goals against the Dynamo and but then end up scoring three. That was the most anomaly of a game that exactly. you could have out of the entire MLS season. I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's it's been all over the place and I mean you think about it too, teams like Vancouver, they started off so great because David Ousted did everything. But then realizing David Ousted was like, well, I don't have a defense in front of me that's, <laughs> that's going right. to bail me out, so I just can't do it anymore. Now they've got a negative 10 goal difference. Like they just you can only be so good in this league without 
a quality defense. And New England's a key example of that. You can have the best offense. And I know everyone's like, oh, and I'm a big, I'm a big offensive guy. I love scoring goals, played, played forward, all that. But if you don't have a good goalkeeper, if you don't even have a, a decent defense, you're not going to win. Because that's great if you no. can, I mean, you can potentially outscore your opponent, but do you really want to get into a shootout with some of these high-class MLS teams? Or you could be like Canada and have neither of those things and get beaten by Morocco for nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, you called that one on me. I've, I've, I love that you texted me that. Morocco, four, <laughs> Canada, zero. That's it. I'm like, all right, fine, I get it. Oh, my gosh. But to be fair, I deserve that. I was like, good Lord, Canada's just horrific. Did you know that we're only 13 to- days away from the playoffs starting? Playoffs? I need to get that audio clip. I need to find that. You thing. do? Why? Why do you need to get it? Because like, I feel I can, in like, for you. I can like double it. You can just or point to just, me. Yeah, be like, go, playoffs, go, playoffs. You have to come up with a playoff signal that you can you know, throw up at yeah, me so exactly. I know to say it. Like the playoff sign in the, right, in the air right. or something. Like, but no, I did not realize we're actually that close to the playoffs. Even though I know most teams only have two games left, it still seems like the season's supposed to go on a lot longer. Mm. Let me ask you this, Baxter. Would you be a fan... Of only four, maybe six teams making the playoffs and having the regular season be more of a 36, 38 game season? Are you saying from each conference? Four total from each conference? No, I'm saying, I'm saying, you're saying like six total, total. total. Yeah. If it's, it'd have to be a table to do that? Yeah, you think so? I'm assuming so. Like, how are you supposed to, how else would you judge? If there well, are two number conferences. One, the number one would get a, the, the, the number one seed would get a bye. First two and, and three. Probably. Or no. What's that? I said if you're doing six teams or four teams. If you're doing three teams from each conference, each number one seed gets a a bye, and two and three play for that semifinal. I don't have a problem with that. I think, obviously, the playoffs would be even a little bit higher quality. I think when you've got 12 out of the 20 teams making the playoffs, I think that saturates the playoffs and saturates the product. And when do most people watch any league, the playoffs? That's right. And people are going to watch these first knockout games and be like, MLS sucks. Which is interesting because... um, Back in the day, the playoff games actually were the worst drawn games yeah. in MLS. But so now, it is but interesting. Is, but with obviously the new TV deals and the packages and the promoting. Well, and, and and I think uh, the soccer audience has gotten a lot more intelligent in this country. And that's why you're seeing such low attendance numbers for mm. the U.S. men's team. I mean, it's been under 10,000 for the last two or it's three atrocious. games. It is. But again, you just spent the summer playing the Copa America. Before that, you had the Gold Cup. You know, the, the soccer, mm-hmm. U.S. soccer audience gets it when games mean something. Plus, U.S. soccer continues to charge the same prices that they've charged for when the A team is there, if you want to say. Uh, listen, if you know that Klinsman's bringing in a B team, a B minus team, you can't charge the same prices, especially when the opponent is a New Zealand team. Exactly. Or even, I mean, yeah, I, people were, the amount of articles and social media backlash that came out from that U.S. New Zealand game, they're like, where is everybody? Like, Rio Tinto looked tiny. And Rio Tinto's not a massive uh, stadium. RFK. I'm sorry, RFK. I don't know why I thought it was Rio Tinto, but the, the R's. Either way, right. it's not a massive stadium. Like, no, and well, and you look at the history of the stadium, and, yeah. you know, getting 32,000 fans there, getting 44,000 fans there was, mm-hmm. was never an issue. But again, that was, that was 15 years ago. You know, exactly. the last time they lost there, I believe, was 15 years ago in 2001 to Guatemala. I'd be curious to know, like, the reasoning behind some of the um, some of the fans not going to that game. Like, well, I why was, did you not go? I was scouring a lot of social media, and that's what a lot of them were saying: is why am I going to pay top price for a non-top product? Exactly. We know that this is more of an experimental right. game, anyway. Right. I mean, some people will. It depends on how much you've seen the team. Obviously, for some people, that could have been their first game. I'm sure that's why a lot of people were there. Is like, oh my gosh, I get the chance to go see. 
see some of the the best. It's Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, la da 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 da, all those guys. Like, and some people use that and they're okay paying the full price. But think, you're right, though. I think part of it too is World Cup qualifying is only a month away, mm-hmm. and people, people like, are saying, I'm going to save my money for that. Exactly. Well, there, I would, I would too. More than likely, if I had never seen the U.S. play, which I still have yet to do. I probably would have paid to go see that game if I lived in D.C. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go see this game regardless. The other tough thing that a lot of people are pointing out, and I get this, it's a school night. It was, you know, cold weather, which obviously U.S. soccer can't control that part. But traffic in RFK, apparently, I've never been out there, but apparently it's horrific to get through at that time of day, which I can believe. It's rush hour. You know, there were a lot of things working against U.S. soccer that they positioned upon themselves yes. that they could have avoided. I agree. I completely agree with you on that one. Uh, all right, let's do some predictions. Our MLS predictions brought to you by the Red Lion Pub. A full slate of MLS action this weekend. For MLS fantasy owners, you're thrilled. Some of you are still scrambling, like myself, to figure out your team. Either way, though, it's going to be an entertaining weekend of soccer if you've got the opportunity to watch it. I will be at one of the games. I'll be at the Chicago Fire Revolution. Good for you, and I mean that wholeheartedly. That's awesome. Thank you. It'll be my first real MLS game. I've been to preseason games, but I've never had the opportunity to go to a full-fledged MLS game. Let me tell you, talking about low-ticket sales, the worst games to go to, Baxter, are these uh, preseason friendlies for Mm -hmm. these European teams that come over and they play their third-string players. It is some of the war. I went to uh, Sporting Kansas City, Newcastle United. Now, I mainly went there with my buds to check out the new stadium. It was new at that time. Sure. Uh, stadium's beautiful, but that was just absolutely horrific, boring soccer. Because nobody wants to injure each other in that kind of game. No, you exactly. Know? Um, so, so I will never, ever again go to a... <laughs> Unless Everton's playing, then then I'd have to. Sure, but, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I went to an MLS preseason game years back. I saw the Chicago Fire play the Seattle Sounders back when Casey Keller was on the team. Oh, okay. And Freddie okay. Montero and some of those guys, too. It was up in Bradenton, Florida at IMG. Ah. So, where your brother is doing all his coaching things. That's right. So, got the opportunity to go up there. Had some friends who were like, yeah, let's go. I was still kind of part of the Chicago Fire Academy at that time, too. So, I was like, all right, yeah, sounds like a good time. Let's go up and uh, give it an opportunity to, to see some MLS players. So, I think it was a 1-1 game or something. It was kind of a boring game but it was still cool to like be 20 feet from the field because it's it's more of a rec setting on those fields because you're like right there so i was it was pretty awesome honestly so all right uh let's see here tonight chicago fire columbus crew colorado rapids san jose who do you like and why i'm gonna take uh i'm actually gonna take the chicago fire David Akam is going to have a good game against a, a Columbus team that's been doing okay, but Columbus is still without Will Trapp, and I think that's going to affect them greatly in the middle. Hmm. So I'm going to take Chicago Fire. Okay, and uh, what about Colorado-San Jose? Colorado, that's an easy pick for me, especially with Colorado at home taking the Rapids. Okay, I'm going to actually agree with you on both of your picks as well. Wow. Uh, Chicago, again. A couple of days later. Thankfully, it's a home game, so they don't have to deal too much with the travel aspect. They then host New England. Uh, New England, very much in the playoff hunt. I expect to see a very offensive game from New England because they need to win. They need to score goals. 
Uh, I think it'll be an entertaining game to be at, not al- let alone watch as a whole. Uh, I've got New England winning this game. I'm going to agree with you, Baxter, especially because a lot of this depends on what happens with the com. If he gets another yellow card, regardless if he gets a second yellow in that Chicago game, he will be up for suspension because Ooh. of yellow card accumulation. Same with Matt Polster. So if either of those guys get a yellow card, it's going to affect Chicago a great deal. So I'm going to take New England, assuming that one of those guys may get booked. There you go. Fair enough. All right. Uh, DC United uh, NYCFC. This is a fun game. There's some good fun games this weekend, I feel like. Yeah, this is this is one of the tough ones to pick from. They've both uh, been doing well with scoring, and they're both not the best on defense, though mm-hmm. I think DC may be a little better. DC is the hotter team on paper. I think I'm going to take DC United back. Sir. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go uh, opposite of you and go with NYCFC for the similar reason. I think their offense is just a little bit better. David Villa continues to still score. He's in the hunt for that golden boot, so he's going to probably try to turn up and have a good performance this weekend. Montreal and TFC. Anytime Canada teams play each other, it certainly can be exciting, but will it actually be exciting, though? I, it's tough to say. You're going to have a tired Josie Altador for one thing. Um Exciting as far as yes, and as far as exciting atmosphere, yeah, the game's already sold out, Baxter, which is uh, which is cool to see. Stad Saputo. This is this this is actually a tough one because uh, don't know if Giovinco, Giovinco, sorry, Giovinco, Giovinco is is going to be playing or not. But it's hard to you know what I'm I'm going to take an upset on this. I'm going to take Montreal. Really? Okay. Um, I wasn't going to agree with you, but I kind of think you're right though because Bradley's going to be tired. Altidore is going to be tired. Who's left after that for TFC? That's actually doing anything right now. Goalkeeper's pretty well. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? Bono. Bono or Bono? Bono. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. He's been pitching some some good games in there, so it's maybe true. he keeps them in. But that is true. If anything, maybe a draw. But I, I'm going to stick with my upset yep. pick. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Red Bulls playing host to Columbus. Easy one for me. Columbus second game in a matter of three days. No chance. No chance. New York yep. Red Bulls. Red Bulls are going to steam right through them. So congratulations, crew, on your next win against the New York Red yeah, Bulls. Yeah, exactly. For everybody that we picked, congratulations on the reverse fixture, basically. <laughs> right. Philly playing host to Orlando. Uh, Philly, I, I need them to lose, so I'm going to pick Orlando because I oh, want them to win. There you go. I, 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 I need okay Orlando. I need Orlando to win this game. I am, I am okay with that. I think Philadelphia, because... They want to get even more separation. Listen, they win this game. They're in. Is that right? I'm pretty Philly? positive, yeah. Uh, I think they've got too much riding on the line to not do well, so I'm taking the union. They need, yes, they need to win. They need the Revs to lose. Or draw, I think. I'm looking here. Philly's got Yes, two. you're right. You're right. To, to automatically clinch. They need a full win, and they need the Revs to lose. Yes. Yes. So you're yeah. going to take Philly, though, on this I'll one? I'll take Philly. All right. FC Dallas and Seattle. Seattle, they got to get their act together. I mean, they're already in the playoffs, but they haven't clinched. Nobody's... There's three teams that haven't clinched no, yet. No, and FC Dallas is still fighting for that supporter shield. Plus, as we mentioned, Seattle's going to be without Alonzo. I think he's too important to this team. I'm taking FC Dallas. I'm going to agree with you on that one, too. I think Jordan Morris is going to be a little bit tired. Ladero, obviously, has been doing a little bit better. Chad Marshall. But FC Dallas is just a better team through and through. Regardless if they're tired or not, FC Dallas is going to probably still run through what Seattle has left. Uh, Houston, L.A., quickly, because we uh, run, we're running we, out of time. We do. We are running out of time. Uh, uh, LA Galaxy. LA Galaxy, okay. Uh, Portland, Colorado. Big win. Portland's got to win. They do got to win. Colorado is clinched. Oh, this is a tough one, Baxter. Where are we playing at? I'm not on that screen. Portland's home. You know what? I want the Timbers to win. I'm going to go with your philosophy. I'm calling the Timbers. There you go. I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you for the story. What about Portland. Houston, LA? Who do you got for I had LA for LA, that one. okay. Yep. Uh, RSL, SKC. I need RSL. I was going to say, you need SKC to lose, so. That's true. Oh, good. 
There but I go. still think RSL is going to win beyond that. Fair enough. Actually, no. I'm going to call a draw mm-hmm. on that one. Interesting. Their first draw of the week. I like it. Uh, let's see. Do let's we got see. more games yet? One more. San Jose, Vancouver. I've got, San SK- Jose. I've got SKC in that yeah. game, by the way. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take San Jose. And I've got Vancouver. All right. Uh, fast break. When we come back, I believe, and we're out of here. Two up front, three lines pop. Back after this. Inside the studio, two up front, presented by the Three Lions Pub. The Attention Air Media Studios, I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we said it would be a fast break, so we have to, get right, we have to get right into this. It's our I Believe segment. Simon and I both offer something we believe will take place in the soccer world. Simon, do you want to go first or I second? I do, Everbush. Y'all Everbush. I've got a great I Believe that I think she's going to love. Go I believe... Her. Very early prediction that uh, FC Sporting City. Oh, by the way. <laughs> I'm mixing my MLS and NWSL teams together. No, nope, try Maybe. again. Try again. Playoffs. That's my prediction. That uh, well, now what is FC Kansas City? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> will make next year's NWSL playoffs. Oh, interesting. I don't even want to try to figure out who the other three teams are going to be because it's going to be chaos. Western New York Flash. Okay. Portland Thorns. Okay. And then it's like, yeah. Washington, Seattle? I don't or know. Or Houston? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Sky Blue. Maybe Boston just be like, all right, enough of this. We're going to... No, that's right. not... Yeah. Sorry, Boston. Yeah. Not happening. Uh, my I believe is that I believe that... Uh, what do I do? What do I believe? Break was too fast for you. It was too fast. I didn't have a chance to make something up, which I'm trying to still continuously do. Something um, about Precky. Something about, about Precky. Sure. I believe that St. Louis is going to get MLS and Precky is going to be the coach and they're going to win the championship. No, I don't you know. don't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, I, I believe that we need more people like y'all Everbush, a part of U.S. soccer. That's what love I believe. It. Yes, that's great, Baxter. I love it. That's completely what I believe. All right, well, a special thanks to Yal Everbush from Sporting FC Kansas City. Ah, I did and it too. Yal, F- I, I apologize if I've butchered your name a couple oh times gosh. during the show, we'll too. Look at this. FC Kansas City. It's on the board in front of me. I can read, I promise. We appreciate her joining us on the shopfootsell.com call in line. We appreciate all of you wonderful people for joining us as well. Episode 73 has been a blessing and a. Sometimes a curse as well because we can't say things. I don't know. Either way, Simon Provan, say something. I don't know. Playoffs? There you go. All right. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central Time, live right here on Spreaker.com. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front. Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> 
Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.